Hello and welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Race, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going to explore some strange phenomena which used to be blamed on the fairy folk, but is now blamed on the spirits of the dead. How did these old fairy tales become much scarier real-life ghost stories? For example, many years ago, when stones were thrown at people by an invisible force, there were some who believed it was the fairy folk having a laugh and a joke. And yet, many years later, the same phenomena is described as the work of a malicious poltergeist. What changed? Well, the simple answer is that people stopped believing in fairies, but the phenomena continued. And so how do you explain the unexplainable when you can no longer just pass it off as the work of the fair folk, as the work of the Tullith Tig. Well, for some people, you blame spirits instead. And there is a specific kind of phenomena which made this leap entirely from the fairy folk to ghostly apparitions, and that is the phenomena that we are going to focus on, that we are going to explore a few cases of on this episode, and that involves people who were whisked through the air against their will and dropped off in some strange new place. People who were lifted up from the comfort of their homes only to be carried over land and sea to somewhere they did not want to be carried to. Now, to begin at the beginning, I mentioned that people had stopped believing in fairies. And it was in the early 1900s that the Welsh writer and traveller Jonathan Keredig Davis wrote that the belief in the existence of fairies in Wales had almost died out. But the belief in ghosts and spirits had not, and that the belief in death omens in particular, things like corpse candles and phantom funerals, remained rather popular even among the educated people. So, not that long ago, only a hundred years or so ago, people in Wales, even among educated people, believed in ghosts, in spirits, and in particular, in death omens. But if they no longer believed in fairies, what were these supposed ghosts and what did they want? Well, much like today, the majority of people assumed them to be the spirits or shades of departed mortals. They were the spirits or shades of departed mortals, beings which, spirits which, when they were still alive, were just like us, just like you and me. But who could not rest easily in their graves because of some unfinished task which usually involved hidden money or hidden treasure, and they would continuously reappear until the matter was resolved, and 
Curiously, Davis writes that it was not just coins and treasure which bothered them, rather it was anything which was hidden and which was made of metal. So you would imagine that a metal detectorist would be a ghost's best friend. That's your best bet for finding something. If you're going to haunt someone, haunt someone with a metal detector. Now, another reason for a ghost to haunt a location is because they were murdered there. And once again, they return because some aspect of the case needs to be resolved. This could be that their body has yet to be discovered and given a proper burial, and so by appearing, they can help direct attention to it. Or it could be that the murderer has yet to face justice for their foul deed, and so they return until vengeance is served. Now, while it could be potentially terrifying to encounter such a ghost, to encounter a murder victim who has come back in the form of a spirit, it's worth remembering that these are good spirits in a sense. They are the people who have been wronged by others and they simply want to right that wrong or they want payback. But there are also evil spirits out there, the ghosts of malicious people, maybe the murderers themselves. They are too bad to rest easy and many, many years ago, were once thought to be the devil himself in disguise. Never mind fairies, in this case, the particularly evil ones were thought to be the devil. And that was pretty much what these spirits were believed to be. They were either people, good people, who were trying to right a wrong, to try and point out some injustice or some hidden treasure, maybe, or at the other end of the scale... They were so bad, nobody knew what the heck to do with them. They were too evil for heaven. They were too evil for hell. So they were stuck here on earth with us. Lucky us, eh? Stuck for eternity with them. So we've established what they are. The next step is how do you interact with them? Or how do they interact with us? Well, Davis recorded some beliefs around that as well, and he tells us that some believed that only those born in the nighttime had the power to see spirits. Others simply that spirits take more fancy to some persons than others. So that's bad news for would-be ghost hunters who were born in the daytime because the only way that you are going to see them is if they take a fancy to you. And if they don't take a fancy to you, well, you won't be seeing any spirits. And in some examples, we are told it was possible for two people to be standing next to each other with only one of them seeing the spirit. This also applies to speech, to talking to the spirit with the spirit only speaking to one person, presumably the person they've taken a fancy to, to carry out this task for them. But even then, they can only speak to you if spoken to first. So what that means is, if you ever see a ghost, your first words shouldn't be, well, they shouldn't, shouldn't be a scream of terror or a bunch of swear words I can't use on this podcast, but rather, what do you want? Or maybe, 
can I help you? It's a nice, polite way to start a conversation, and politeness always pays off, even in the spirit world. Well, I'd imagine. And by asking them a question, by engaging them in conversation, they can then reply to you afterwards. Now, there are a few pointers on how to talk to them. It is said that it should be done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So when you open up a conversation with them, you say to them, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and then you continue with your question. So, can I help you, or whatever it might be? If the ghost doesn't answer at first, the question should be repeated three times, and by the third time, you should get a response. And when they do reply, and this is the most important pointer, they should not be interrupted for anything, because it could be extremely dangerous. What exactly extremely dangerous means? I don't know. Maybe it's best that it's left to our imaginations. But to interrupt a ghost when it is dictating its demands, it is telling you why it is visiting you, would be extremely dangerous. And so, having listened to the spirit carefully, it should be clear what they want. And it is now your job to go out and complete that task, to finish whatever needs finishing. And if you fail, or even worse, if you choose to simply ignore the request, well, that is when things get extra scary. That is when the activity, which a long time ago was blamed on the fairy folk, begins. That is when stones are thrown, and in some of the more extreme cases, People are picked up and abducted, are whisked away through the air and are left in far-off places. Now, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, sometimes being whisked away by the fairies and waking up on the other side of town is quite often a handy excuse for somebody who might have had a few pints too many on a Friday night. And when they arrive home late, incredibly late, with their tail between their legs in heck of a state, if they arrive home at all, maybe they're found face down in a ditch somewhere. That is when it becomes nice and convenient to say, no, no, I wasn't, I wasn't drinking all night. You'll, you'll never believe it. But I was whisked up into the air by this fairy who dropped me off outside that pub miles away in the next village. That was a great excuse. But in some of the more extreme examples, like on episode 55, there was a case where a spirit whisked a man across the Atlantic from Wales to Pennsylvania. And these kinds of cases are a little bit trickier to just dismiss as having one too many in the pub on a Friday night. And another interesting point is that while centuries ago people might have blamed this on the fairy folk, and while a hundred years ago people might have blamed it on the spirits, I think if this was happening nowadays, certainly if this was going on in the 1990s, it might be blamed on UFOs. It might be seen as alien abduction. 
Never mind flying from Wales to America, Fox Mulder could be doing the opposite. He could be flying from America to Wales to investigate these cases. But whatever the current thinking might be on these cases, be they fairies, spirits or UFOs, we are now going to look at some supposedly real-life cases from the early 1900s where those involved certainly believed that the spirits were responsible. And a fascinating part of these aerial abductions, according to Davis's account at least anyway, is that the spirit would generally give the mortal the choice of being transported above wind, amid wind, or below wind. That's above, amid, or below wind. So the spirit wouldn't just pick you up and fly off randomly. It would pick you up and say, right then, you've, you've got three choices. Above wind, amid wind, or below wind. Now, this was recorded, like I said, in the early 1900s, back in the days before people were catching commercial flights around the world, and so the descriptions reflect that. But for above wind, we are told this is about the height of a balloon. So it's so high that the traveller would be in danger of being frightened to death. And I think it goes without saying, if they are up there, the height of a balloon, if they were dropped, they would also plummet to their death as well. So, so high, they could be frightened to death. And at the other end of the scale, below wind, we are told, could be even deadlier. Because then you could be dragged through bush and briar. In fact, there was a man in the Gwendrith Valley who was visited almost every night by a spirit. Talk about unlucky, or lucky if you want to be visited by a spirit who carries you away. But he was visited almost every night who would whisk him away on an aerial journey. And once, when he chose below wind, I mean, I guess if, if he was doing this every night, he could mix it up a little bit, couldn't he? But once when he chose below wind, he was, to quote, dragged by the ghost through bush and briar, that his clothes were all in rags. So if you choose that option, if you choose below you are dragged along so close to the ground that you are dragged over all of the stones and the rocks and the nettles and the blackberries and whatever else might be down there. All of these sharp objects you do not want to be dragged over. And that is why this man was left with his clothes and who knows what left in shreds. So as you've probably worked out yourselves by now, but the safest way we are told, and this is important to remember if a ghost does ever give you three options of how you would like to be whisked through the air, but the safest way is always the middle course amid wind, for this ensures a pleasant transportation at a moderate elevation, equally removed from the branches and the clouds. Always take the middle option. And we are now going to look at a remarkable account, a remarkable account recorded in the first decades of the 1900s, which took place some years before that, concerning a man from the village of Llansadarn in Carmarthenshire, 
whose name was Evan the Weaver, which is a wonderfully Welsh way of naming people. You take your name and your occupation, put the word the in between, and that is how you end up with these wonderful names like Ivor the Engine and Evan the Weaver in this case. And our tale begins one night when Evan found himself, as you do, speaking with a spirit who appeared to him in the form of a gentleman outside his house. So Evan outside his house one night and this spirit in the form of a gentleman appears. And the gentleman asked him whether he would do one thing for him to which Evan said, yes, if I can. Just those four short, simple, easy, harmless enough words, yes, if I can. Little did he know that that would come back to haunt him in more ways than one. And to quote, the spirit says to Evan, that is a promise which must be kept. And thou shalt have no peace until thou hast performed it. Name the time and sooner the better. So Evan has unwittingly agreed to help this spirit in whatever way they might need help in, and now he has to choose a date on which he will help out. And presumably, off the top of his head, he just blurts out, uh, three weeks to tonight, three weeks to tonight, to which the spirit said, very well, and off it went. Now, poor Evan, by this, began to feel very sorry for making such a promise. And when the time came around in three weeks' time, rather than go outside and wait for the spirit in the same place he had seen him last time, instead, he barred the door, he blocked up the door so it was shut tight and went to bed. But he was not there long. He didn't get much shut-eye before he was thrown down on the floor and found himself pushed out through the wide open door unceremoniously, hardly having time to put on his clothes. And finding himself outside, there he saw the same gentleman as before, or rather the spirit which assumed the form of a gentleman, who ordered Evan to follow him without delay to a place called Glan T. Bedu, where there was a large stone with an iron chest concealed beneath it. So, as mentioned earlier, you do not disobey these spirits. If they tell you to do something, you do it. Otherwise, you get unceremoniously ripped out of bed and thrown into the street half-naked and taken, in this case, to a place where there was a large stone with an iron chest concealed beneath it. And it was at this place that the spirit ordered him to take hold of the box and carry it and throw it into what he calls Van Vach Lake, many miles away. Now, Van Vach Lake, to give it its correct Welsh name, is Llyn a Van Vach. And Llyn a Van Vach is one of the most famous lakes in Welsh 
folklore. It is the scene of the lady in the lake, and that will definitely be the focus of a future episode. And it's also connected to the physicians of Mudvai, the nearby village of Mudvai, and that will also be the focus of an upcoming episode. So when they do crop up, you can think back to this one. Think of this as like a little easter egg in a marvel film where you can think ah yes Lena van vark i heard that mentioned before mudvai i've heard that mentioned before and talking about mudvai let us get back to this tale and on sunday morning on the lord's day as they passed through the village of mudvai on their way to the lake evan noticed the people going to church and amongst those people he saw some people he knew but it seems they did not see him or his companion. And you would imagine maybe if they weren't too excited to see Evan, if they'd seen the ghost next to him, they most certainly would have reacted in some way. But Evan felt as if he was invisible. Nobody paid any attention to him whatsoever. And after reaching the lake, the magical Hlyn Avanvach, Evan threw in the chest and there came thunder and lightning. The heavens erupted and in a trance-like state, he was carried through the air. And when he came to himself, he found himself on the banks of the River Towie between that river and Llan Sadr and he was not far from home. And when he reached the house, he went to bed and was very ill for some time. And in some other versions of that tale, in other retellings, it doesn't quite finish there, and he does have one more job to do before going to bed and feeling ill. According to some versions, the spirit compelled him to throw an iron into Avon Cothy, the Cothy River, also in Carmarthenshire. But whether or not he did that task, he had completed what was asked of him he had been whisked through the air by this spirit and now he was seriously ill in bed as a result and this is something else we've looked at on previous episodes in fact the very first episode which is a little bit rough around the edges when you listen back to it now but that concerns a laborer who is also confined to his sickbed after encountering in this case a two-headed spirit, a two-headed phantom, but Evan certainly wasn't alone. But anyway, so ends the tale of Evan the Weaver, and so ends our look at how some of this old fairy phenomena became much scarier with the addition of ghosts. But what do you think happened? Was it the work of the spirits? Was it the work of the fairies of the Tullith Tig? Was it the work of the UFOs from the future? Was it something else entirely? As always, it's lovely to hear from people. And if you have any thoughts or any comments, you can find and follow me on Twitter, 
on Facebook, on Instagram, or directly via email on my website. So pop along, even if it's just to say hello. It's great when people just say hello. And as always, if you have enjoyed this episode and you don't want to miss any of the new episodes as they are released, and I've got a lot more on the way about these similarities between the old fairy lore and the scarier ghost stories, if you don't want to miss any of those or any of the other fantastic episodes coming your way, please consider hitting the subscribe button. And if you really want to support this podcast, if you could leave a nice review or give it five stars or a thumbs up, depending on how you are consuming this on what platform you are listening, that would be very much appreciated. And finally, as well as the podcast, I've also written several books about the ghosts and folklore of Wales. They include the most recent one, Paranormal Wales and Ghosts of Wales, accounts from the Victorian archives. They are all available from good bookshops, offline and on. And as always, if you do pick them up, try and support your local bookshop whenever possible. All of which just leaves me to say... Thank you very much for listening. Dioch and var yawn am rando. I've been Mark Rees. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast. Until next time, no star.